Welcome to episode 65. As always, you can find this podcast on the web at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. That's where you'll find all the streaming and social media information, and you'll always find links to the episodes there, too. Speaking of social media, make sure you give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast and on Twitter at Podcast Hardcore. I'm trying to get better about using utilizing all of the social media platforms, but I'll be honest that Instagram is the one that I use the most for the podcast. I post a lot of old flyers, upcoming episodes stuff, upcoming shows. If you like hardcore, you'd probably want to follow that Instagram, put it that way. Now, as I've been saying for like two months now, I got a Patreon for the podcast. Uh, I'll post the link up in the show notes, the links in, in the bio on the social medias, and you can usually find it on the website too. Uh, I'm trying to get some more new gear. I got some microphones coming. Now I'm trying to get some video equipment so we can get some live episodes going this summer, as well as some other cool stuff. I know I've been talking about putting merch out for like six months, so that's going to happen real soon too, so just keep your eyes open. Uh, if you're listening to this today when the episode drops on Friday, March 4th, uh, go to the Bug Jar tonight and check out Only Shallow. Uh, they're playing there with uh, like Cult Fiction and like two other bands, I want to say. Uh, starts around 8 o'clock. And speaking of the Bug Jar, on Sunday, uh, Zulu's playing there. I, I just got my ticket. I, I highly recommend checking that band out. They're from California. I don't know when they're going to come back here again, but it's uh, a band you want to see. So this is episode 65. I got Mike Jeffers coming back on the podcast. Uh, to be perfectly honest, the episode was uh, recorded a little bit differently than I've been doing lately. I like to try to cut these intros live with my guests so it sounds more natural, but in all honesty, the conversation that Mike and I were having before I, I tried to start the episode was was pretty relevant to current topics, so I wanted to, I wanted to include that conversation in here. So without further ado... This is episode 65 featuring my conversation with Mike Jeffers. After the interview, I'll be back for like 30 seconds just for a quick wrap up. Yeah, man. How's that even going Fox with you, though, man? Just uh, teaching. Yeah. Um, you know, Buffalo's been crazy the past few weeks. I don't know if you heard, we had a we had a shooting in one of our high schools. Yeah, I did. Yeah, one of our security guards got shot. I saw that, uh, too. And Wasn't there like a stabbing, too? Yeah, one of our fourteen-year-olds got stabbed ten times. Is still in the hospital, kind of like clinging on to life. Um, a couple of my students from my school, uh, instead of going home, they got on a bus and went up there. One of my kids got shot. Yeah, well, he got grazed, which is still shot, if you ask me. Oh, um, I think I saw that too. Yeah, the kid got grazed. Yeah, yeah, and um, one of my kids filmed everything. One of my other students is a, a suspected gunman who was there he didn't fire anything but he was running around with a gun oh, um and one of my other kids had a bullet fly by his head um but we've had crazy stuff we had some some mom and some angry aunts come in to fight one of the teachers in my school and i had to call up 911 as they were running in trying to attack a teacher um Jesus. shit's been bad you know so i've been doing a lot of union stuff um we had like a vote of no confidence as a union against a superintendent to try and uh, basically we don't have enough security at school. Yeah. Um, we don't have metal detectors. We don't have, a, we don't have enough of enough teachers. Um, teachers are afraid. Kids are afraid. 
something's got to change. So, I mean, the FBI is involved with investigating everything that's been going on. Yeah. Um, Governor Hochul is like pledged money to help, but it's bad when you say the teachers have no confidence in a superintendent. That's, that's not good. Yeah. That's you really know? crazy. When I went to East high back in the day here, they, they had metal detectors already there. And that was like 25 years ago. Oh, we have metal detectors. Just the superintendent won't let us use them. Oh, really? He yeah. says it sends a bad message to the community about the schools. And we're like, uh, doesn't kids getting shot send a worse message? Yeah. You know? Now, there was a so, lot of shootings here last year, too. Was it, has there been, like, a lot of shootings in Buffalo altogether, too? Or is this more than... Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, bail reform has uh, changed the game in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, for all the good it, it's supposed to do, they haven't really figured out how to implement it correctly. So you have a lot of police um, who are not very happy with it. And I think they're letting things go that normally they wouldn't have. Um, they're, they're not being as proactive as they should because, you know, the public in Buffalo definitely was very anti-cop um, two summers ago. And uh, I think a lot of the police took that very personally and they just let a lot of things go. So you get someone who gets arrested for a serious crime in the morning you know, uh, is back out on the streets. And then instead of the police making sure that person doesn't do anything, they're like, well, fuck it. And that person goes and repeats the crime. And it's, it's, it's just a, a shit cycle, you know, like nobody's winning. The cops aren't winning and the people aren't winning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there needs to be changes, but both sides got to be on the same page and understand what's going on to make all these changes work correctly. And nobody's listening to each other. You know, nobody wants to hear what the what the real problem is. And it sucks. You know, um, this pandemic has been terrible. I mean, you've had, at least in the city, kids out of school for a year and a half with no one telling them where to be and what to do. And now all of a sudden they have to be back at school and they're supposed to follow rules when they haven't followed rules in a year and a half. And they're not. You know, I, I, I've seen teachers get beat up. I've seen principals get beat up. I've seen security guards get beat up. I've seen weapons coming through the doors and you know kids getting suspended for a couple of days and then coming right back to school when they should be out of school for you know months at a time or sent someplace to residency but a lot of placement centers are all all full they have no room for these kids and you know i, I don't know what the answer is you know like it, it's going to take a few years to get back to normal um kids just aren't used to the way things were before this whole pandemic happened, you know, it's, well, it's, it's, crazy. it's crazy to think about that too. Cause some of those kids were probably like in junior high when this all started, you know what I mean? And yep. now they're like 16. I can't imagine like, you know what I mean? Being a teenager through all that. It's, and I've honestly never thought about that perspective. And that's something I'm sure you probably think about like every day now, obviously, you know? Yeah. Cause you know, um, you know, I teach predominantly seventh and eighth graders. I teach, uh, high school kids in the summer and I'll teach ninth graders every second semester. But like you said, the seventh and eighth graders I had when the pandemic started now in high school, they missed two years and they missed the socialization and learning how to go from being a young adult to an adult. And they're just acting like fools, you know, um, the older kids, they may not show up all the time, but when they do, at least they know, like they're there for a reason. You know, they're more respectful. Um, but a lot of these younger kids, they're just 
seventh and eighth grade pandemic happened. They went crazy for two years. They get to school and they're just, they're just fighting everybody fighting everything. They don't want to be told what to do or, you know, um, they don't want to understand the reality that, you know, you got to get an education. You have to learn how to read and write. You have to learn how to deal with people you don't like without resorting to violence. And, you know, uh, we don't have the staff. I mean, obviously not just in Buffalo, Rochester, obviously, I'm sure has the same problems. All the big five school districts, you know, like how do you get these kids to, you know, they, they need to talk. This was very traumatic for all of them. You know, a lot of these kids were out of school. They didn't have enough food to eat. They didn't have electricity, freezing, you know, um, <clears throat> they live in a war zone. So if they, they go out, they're going to get hurt. So a lot of them just stayed inside. Like, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's strange, you know, I mean, obviously my kids are lucky, you know, they, they got two parents who are teachers and, you know, we, we live in the suburbs, you know, can't, I really, you know, my own children are fine, but the kids that I teach, they're not. And, uh, you know, if you teach in the city of Buffalo, you really want to help, but the, the city sure as hell doesn't make it easy to, to try and do it. They don't give you what you need. We can't hire people fast enough. There's so many teachers that just quitting their jobs and, and retiring early. There's no one there to replace them because we don't make enough money and there's no guarantee of safety for, for the, the teachers there. Like, why the hell would you want to teach in a war zone? Do you think that's going to like, I, I'm sure you don't really quite, quite have the answer, but how do you think it's all going to get better? You know, it just seems so uh, bleak the way you're describing it all right now. Yeah. You know I mean? Well, you know, how does it, how does it always get better? You throw more money at it. You hire more people. If, if you're offering more money to teach in the city than you are in the suburbs, if you're a 25 year old kid, you don't care about anything but money. So you're like, ah, whatever, I'll go teach in the city. It pays 20 grand more a year than the suburbs, you know, um, instead of being 20 grand behind the suburbs, pay 20 grand more. You'll have people apply money talks, right? Yeah. Federal government is throwing around so much money and, and, uh, the state education department, um, sued the city of Buffalo and the Buffalo teachers union because they, it was like $450 million they owed us total over the years. And now that Joe Biden freed up a lot of money, uh, we can get it so we can hire the support staff we need. You know, you, we need teachers aides. We need uh, psychologists, social workers, guidance counselors. Um, you know, we need obviously we need metal, detect metal detectors, you know, um, but also the teachers need more money. Uh, you know, the inflation's insane this year. It's up 10 percent overall. It's the highest in 40 years. And it's only going to go up more as long as uh, Putin keeps running through the Ukraine. You know, it's the most mineral rich country in the entire world. There's no coincidence that there is a, a war being fought there right now. Yeah. You know, that's that's what they always say, too. Like, I mean, you can see it happening right now. Too. The gas always goes up considerably. And it's like before it even started, like the last couple of weeks, like I don't, I'm sure it's been happening there, too. It's like every day here is like 10 cents a day, the increase on like yep. gas and whatnot. So, yeah. Crazy. Not, not on the, not on the reservation. I paid three Oh three, three days ago on the Indian reservation here. So it's worth the drive out because it's three eighty everywhere else. I don't know if they're, I don't know where the closest one to here is, uh, other by Darren, by Darien Lake. Yeah. You know, but that's a far drive for you guys. Yeah. Well, you know, certain tobacco products they might have in bulk there that they might not. That's have. True. <laughs> so that's true. It's true. Um, now, 
I usually cut like a live intro for these episodes, but I feel like you and I are kind of already diving into stuff that I want to throw on the podcast, if you don't mind. Yeah. So I think we can just yeah, kind sure, of sure. keep the conversation rolling and just talk yeah, absolutely. About what I had planned. And then as we're already kind of doing, just let it kind of flow. Um, so like one thing I kind of had to thing was talk about was like, what's been up since last episode, you kind of just kind of mentioned a lot of it there, obviously. Um, but like, uh, I guess like hardcore wise, like things are kind of looking pretty good in Buffalo right now. Like, like how do things look from uh, your perspective, I guess there. I think the scene's probably the best it's been here since, I don't know, late nineties, as far as he, not just the amount of bands, um, cause there's, there's actually a ton of bands. I figure with the pandemic, so many bands would have broken up. It was actually just the opposite here. It seems like more bands started. Um, but it's such a such a variation, you know. Um, I don't know, like you, you got your straight edge bands and you got your like your mosh metal bands, you know, like uh um got grindcore bands, oi bands popping up, indie rock bands. Then you have all the guys who haven't been involved in hardcore for 25 years who decided to get their bands back together when nobody wanted them to um, back in the scene now, too. Um, it's, it's just unreal. And then, you know, the punk scene here, um, which, which you know, to me and, and, and to you would be like the same damn thing, um, you know, is with their house shows and stuff. There, there's a lot of fantastic bands. There's a ton of bands that are playing. Um, there's not as many places to play necessarily. Um, but that goes w with any scene and, and kids will get more creative. Um, but I'd say it, it, it's a healthy scene where, where bands are playing shows again and you're getting a lot of out of town, out of town bands that are coming back through here, you know, that maybe would have stayed away years ago. Um, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, just because I like I'm that guy that always rolls between the scenes because you know I'll play in a metalcore band, but then I'll have like a like a hardcore punk band or punk band and or metal band. So I'm going to all these different shows and um there's a lot of crossover between all the scenes now. Um I can't say that all the kids like each other, but you know, um they're all seem to be coexisting right now, at least making a good effort and you know, giving Buffalo a good name, you know. Um there's always been like the old guy scene around here. That's just, we've been around for forever. Um, but it's, 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 it's really, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, just such a variation between styles of, of bands within the same scene. It's, it's awesome. And the, and the shows are reminiscent of ones in the nineties where, you know, you, you'd have a metalcore band on with an indie rock one and then a punk one on the bill, you know, except now there'll be like a, a grindcore or deathcore kind of band on there too. Um, and everyone for the most part, you know, like I said, they seem to get along at the shows, even if they don't get along in real life. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about with the school stuff earlier. Like everybody is so happy to have hardcore and stuff back now that they're just welcoming the scene and all the bullshit that's like been said back and forth among some people on like social media and stuff is just kind of not worried about them. We're just going to the shows now, you know, and it's nice to see. But for us in Rochester, it's just kind of similar because we have a band called Leaking Head that's more of like a punk rock, uh, like old old school, like hardcore band. And they're yeah. kind of playing like the, the hardcore shows now. So they're kind of bringing their crowd out, which is cool. And we have, I, I've 
I haven't been to all the shows, but the ones that I've been to, it's it seems like we've we've got kind of like the older crowd here now. Like there's not as much of like an all ages thing going on here. I mean, granted, the shows are like 18 and 21 and over for the most part. Yeah. But like even the one I went to over the summer at the benefit for the Hayward family, that was all ages, and there there wasn't a ton of like minors there, you know. So I think we need to get like a like a new blood thing going on here somehow. Like, do you have a, do you think there's a lot of young people? Yes. Yeah. I I mean just the. Uh... The violent way exhibition smash and grab guys are all younger. Um, and th- those guys have uh, younger crowd kids are in high school and stuff too. And, uh, you know, to be honest, um, Brett, um, you know, sang for clear focus and uh, war by other means and exhibition. You know, he, he had said to me that uh, like, Mike, you know, you, you guys don't always play all ages shows and you really need to. And like, I was like, what are you talking about, dude? And like, I thought about it, like me playing like a show that's 16 and up, you know, that seems like all ages is really not. And, uh, there are kids who are under 16, you know, because Lord knows I was going to shows before I was 16, you know? And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know? Um, I mean, the best that I was doing was like, you know, a Mohawk, someone who come up to the door, who's like 15, I tell them, you know, tell the person at the door that, you know, I'm your dad and they'd let you in, you know, and that's how I was getting kids that way or say, I'm, I'm your uncle. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we had an all ages venue, like a coffee shop before the pandemic that, uh, was just packed full of high school kids, you know, um, but it closed down during the pandemic, you know, like, the, the restaurants have definitely been hit the hardest in Buffalo, you know, more than anything I noticed. Um, I, I mean, even chain ones, like, uh, like I saw McDonald's that went out of business. I'm like, how bad are things if McDonald's goes out of business? And it was one with like a playland too, you know, like that was like a good one with a ball pit and stuff, you know, but, uh, yeah, man, Buffalo, Buffalo is, uh, is, is doing well. And for the first time in a long time, um, there are people under 25, there are people under 21 who are going to shows. And, um, you know, I, would say like, I don't know, 2003, 2010 era of hardcore, you know, all those guys wore white belts and had swoopy hair, you know, they're gone. They're not coming back at least not for another 10 years till they hit middle age, middle age, then they'll come back. But all those guys that were playing like straight edge, new metal, um, you know, worked at hot topic, uh, they didn't help help the scene at all. So it's nice to see some young kids um, who got into it because of their dads, you know, like my age. Um, but I think it'll be cool. You know, obviously like punk and stuff never goes away. It just constantly changes and, and, and morphs. So there's a lot of young kids doing traditional hardcore, you know, like first wave and, you know, punk and oi. Um, but then there are kids who, you know, took what was popular in the late nineties and, you know, put their own spin on it, you know? Um, so yeah, man, Buffalo, like I said, you know, we actually had a population increase here for the first time since like the early nineties, you know, 35,000 people moved to the city of Buffalo on purpose. So, um, our population is up. So, you know, we're back to being like a Cleveland sized city. So 35,000 is actually a pretty decent number for a small city too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. I mean, the entire time I've lived here, I've just watched the population drop and drop and drop and drop and drop over the past 28 years. And this time it actually went up. I'm like, oh, Jesus, man, that's awesome. 
Now, sometimes I think like there's a lot of good shows coming up there. And I'm like, damn, when I used to book a lot of shows, sometimes like one show per week was like too many. Like you think it'll ever be a point where there's like just like too many bands and too many shows there? Or you think there's like enough people there right now? Where that's not going to become an issue. Oh, no, it'll definitely become an issue. Like you said, people are excited that there are shows again. Yeah. Give it six months. They won't be excited that there are shows again. They'll have yeah. seen their, their fill because they went out seven days a week to watch these bands. And before, I, I mean, obviously, everyone's going to say shit was better when they were younger. And it was because you're younger. Like nothing's better because you're older. Get, being old fucking sucks, you know. Um, but years ago, you had fewer promoters and fewer venues. So if someone booked a show, um, they realize it's a small town. Let's not book something on the same day or in the same week and keep the numbers up. And now it's just, it, it's kind of a free-for-all, you know. Um, and, and, I mean, it's not necessarily the kid's fault. Um, actually, no, I guess it is, right? Because everything is literally on, on in your hands. you got a fucking computer in your hand. So just look and see who's playing shows on what day. And then you see something's happening, book it on another day. People don't always do that. And a lot of people have to realize how closely tied a lot of this stuff is, you know, um, is some bands straddle hardcore and punk scene. And, you know, if, if they're playing one day, you can't do a show two days later. That's the same kind of stuff. Cause it'll just cut down on who's going to be there. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess that's with the exception of like New York or LA, you know, you, you can't do shows like 20 a week, you know? Well, the other thing that's crazy too, is like, it seems like every single band went on, like decided to go on tour all at the same time, which like I kind of get, cause everything's like kind of seems safe to do now, finally, like, well, depending on who you talk to, obviously. Um, but like for most people, it seems like now everybody agrees that now is the safest time to, to do things. You know what I mean? And so now everybody's, <laughs> everyone's going on tour, like all at the same time. It, look, it seems like to me, you know yeah and and i don't blame them yeah you know um juggernauts played three shows in two years um you know one of them at a skate park here and it was outdoors we're like we'll start with that make sure everything's really okay with this you know omicron variant stuff and they're like okay we'll do our release show in december and that was in a you know a, a small club and that went okay and that was a great show and then we went and played in queens and, you know, in, in, in Queens, no one's wearing any masks or anything like that at all. Um, and, and, and we were fine, felt comfortable doing it. Um, but as much as I'd love to rush out and just go and start playing a ton of weekends, there's so much competition out there. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go play a show somewhere and there's three other shows going on that same night. And there's not a ton of people there. It's not, it's not helping the band do anything. So trying to be a little more like strategic about what we do and when we do it. Cause there's just so much. And I, I mean, it's not even like punk and hardcore stuff, you know, like, um, you know, um, Metallica's playing a stadium show in Buffalo. Megadeth is coming through this summer, you know, like all these shows keep getting announced, even, even, you know, larger, you know, uh, mainstream bands and stuff. And, uh, I don't care how many people move to Buffalo. We're still the fourth poorest city in America. People only have so much money to go around, yeah. you know? Someone goes to see Metallica at Highmark Stadium and they're not paying their mortgage that month. So, I mean, getting them to do go to another show is not, not necessarily a guarantee. Yeah, like I was thinking, like, 
putting together like when i do the intros for the episode and stuff i was there's like shows coming up here and i'm like damn we got like four shows in rochester in march which is a lot for rochester you know what i mean so i'm just like eventually hopefully it'll it'll be a balance and like i kind of want to start doing shows again but i don't want to like get in in the middle of all these other ones you know what i mean and, and i should have thought about that like two years ago like of course everyone who's been booking shows is going to still be booking shows and there's going to be a million shows already like if i want to try and step in and do a couple i'll have to you know finagle the right day or whatever and it's like it's, it's yeah I don't, I don't care about well that it. and the right the right location that too yeah so like start doing shows at ellison park again or or that 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 one church uh i can't remember the name of the fucking church what was that eli fagan too you guys had oh. shows at eli fagan for a while yeah. Yeah, you know, places like that are cool because it can definitely be all ages, especially the Ellison Park ones are really awesome because you like kids are outside like playing like four square and kickball and stuff between bands, you know, like yeah, everyone had their skateboards out. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun, you know. Like yeah. I think people are they're, they're so used to being cooped up the past two years. If you could do a show in a place like that where they have access to outside between the bands where they could really have fun. I don't mean just standing outside smoking a cigarette or something, you know, that, that would be the better angle to take. I want to say like Sulaco and maybe some bands like that did an outdoor show last year. And there was, there was the punks picnic here too, which I, I was going to go to it, but there was, it was, it was the same day of another show. So, and that's the thing we're talking about. It's like planning shows like the same day and whatnot. It's ridiculous, but that, that's been suggested several times to me to, to bring back the park shows. And I think my only like, uh like reason for not wanting to do it would be, would be like laziness honestly like having to book the lives then get the pa squared up and all that you know and then my only concern what like is like our park show is going to be cool to do like are, are the are the park people going to be cool with it you know what i mean like if uh we're having all these people there for like a show and stuff after all this stuff from the last couple of years you know which i guess there's been a couple and they've been fine but yeah i, I honestly dude I, I think they would i i mean even the people working in the park or they know at some point in time, these things are going to start happening again, you know, and uh, the sooner you get people back to doing more normal things, the sooner people will start acting more normally, you know, um, and it depends too on, on the bands that you book. Like if you're, if you're going to book like, like older hardcore bands and have some older people come out, they could be your, your, your test group. And if they don't graffiti anything or smash windows or take a fucking dump in the middle of the floor, you know, then you're okay. Then you, then you bring up some younger bands and, you know, the park people won't be nervous if you have younger ones because the older guys already did it, you know. I don't know. It, it's just, everyone's sick of being inside, but people are going to start wanting to go outside into places for the right reasons. You know, like Metallica playing a stadium show in Buffalo is actually brilliant. Um, everyone's going to be out in the fresh air. They're way more likely to go than if you held it at the arena. You gonna go see them? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, why not? I haven't seen them play like outdoors oh, since the early '90s. You know, it'll sound like shit. You know, um, their set selection will probably suck, but you know, like these guys are in their their late fifties and they're still fucking doing it. I respect their hustle. I respect the game. You know, um, I, I, you know, I buy every record they have. I wouldn't have gotten into half the stuff that I did if it would have not, not been for them, you know, like it's all right. You know, it's, it's as long as it's not country music, you know, uh, I'll go. 
can't I can't do that. Buffalo Buffalo people love country music. I, I don't understand. I was a little surprised by their their support selections. I didn't see what the other band was, but one of them I saw was like Ice Nine Kills or whatever they're called. I was like, man, it seems like they would have like more of like a. I don't know. I guess they're trying to appeal to the younger crowd with them, though, it would seem. Yeah, well, they have Greta Van Fleet is playing, which is like the 20-year-old guys that sound like Led Zeppelin. Wow, that's weird, too. I mean, right? I mean they literally sound like Led Zeppelin. Like, yeah. um, and I don't want to be that old, dusty guy. I was like, oh, fuck them. I'll just listen to Led Zeppelin. I got to remember, like, if I was 20 years old and never heard Led Zeppelin but heard Greta Van Fleet, you know, I'd be like, oh, these this fucking band's awesome. Who influenced them? Oh, Led Zeppelin. Then they go check Led Zeppelin out. You know, kind of like that's that's one of the hardest things about being an old guy. You know, I can't slag all these young bands for uh, doing a style that's been done 10,000 times because it's new to them, you know, and kids who dig them will go and say, who who influenced them? Oh, it was it was these guys. So it all winds up working out, you know, like I, I realize Power Trip sounds like Exodus when Exodus started, you know, but. You're 20 years old, man. You're going to find Power Trip before you find Exodus. But once you find Power Trip, then you can work your way back. Yeah. Now, jumping back to Juggernaut, you mentioned some of the shows you guys played recently. You mentioned Queens. I kind of want to talk about that for a second, too. Sure. Uh, that was that was the benefit for Roger, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, how that? How was that all? How'd that all go? It was fucking great, man. Um, first off, you know, uh, I'm originally a downstater, so I love any chance I can to go go back home. Um, it was 60 degrees. When we left Buffalo, it was 10. There was snow we were. You get the Queens at 60 degrees, no snow on the ground. You have to wear a fucking jacket, you know. And then never mind just, just getting good pizza, you know. Um, I get pretty stoked. And then just seeing people that I've known, you know, like my whole life that I, I don't get to see all the time unless I go down there. Um, it was super well attended. Uh, the lineup was incredibly diverse mix of bands, you know, punk grind, metalcore, you know, um, traditional hardcore and, uh, stigma played stick. I mean, you can't beat stigma band. Um, you know, it, it was, it was just great. Everybody was just in a fantastic mood. Uh, they're more than happy to, you know, uh, donate their services and, and, you know, sell merchandise and stuff on, on behalf of Roger, because most of us older guys, you know, we, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for AF, you know, um, all of us have been impacted directly or indirectly by that band. And uh, the least that we could do was, was play. And I'm glad that they, they, they asked us to, to play. Um, it was, it was fucking great. You know, it definitely, and in, in, in Buffalo, you know, I could be completely honest. Um, sometimes playing in bands is a hard sell. You know, if you if you you're not part of a crew or you don't have a gimmick, um, and my bands are never part of a crew or, or never a gimmick. We're just dudes that like hardcore. But you go to New York and people just they just like you or they don't like you based on what you're playing. Doesn't matter what you look like, who you roll with, and 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 that that aspect's always cool, you know. Um, so it was it was it was great. And it just like kind of after two years of like, you know, no activity at all. It just like kind of we're just trying to make plans to keep the ball rolling um, and not play like Iowa on a Tuesday to seven people. You know, like 
those days are done. I'm not doing that shit anymore. You know? Yeah, I saw that uh, the, lot, the Agnostic Front Live at CBGB's went to streaming today. I'm, I'm guessing you probably have a CD copy of that somewhere. Uh, I mean, I have the LP, I have the tape, and I have, I have the CD. Yeah. Because, you know, I started out, wow. I started out with, a, with, with the tape version. Then I got the LP. Then I graduated and got a job and had money, bought a CD. I ain't going back to that bullshit, the that LP. Was, that was one of my first, uh, like, hardcore CDs. I got that in, like... I don't know, probably late 95 because that was that was like when i was getting into all this shit and i didn't know anything else by af i just probably saw a copy of that at the mall or somewhere it's like it had the crazy yep. looking the, just the, the standard cover there you know and i was like man what, agnostic front live at cbg this has got to be good you know and, and it's it, awesome it is and the banter you know? in between songs or whatever the uh you're not gonna live to see tomorrow if you keep fucking around like that or whatever the the bouncer says there or whatever in between yeah. the songs, <laughs> whatever yeah, that's good shit. Yeah, I, I yeah, mean, no, it, it, it sucks that everything's come down to, you know, something has to be streaming for anyone anyone young to even hear it nowadays. Yeah. And, like, that aspect fucking blows. So, you know, musicians don't make any fucking money from that at all, you know? Um, and, and obviously, you know, um, people selling LPs for 30 bucks, that's criminal in itself right there, you know? Um, I don't know. Record company just duped everyone over and over again. LP stink, buy the CD. CD stink, buy the LP, and people just follow along. You know, um, I don't know. If, if a kid comes to a show and they buy something physical, you know, to bring home, you know, that's that's awesome. You know, someone really cares if they're, they're taking the time to buy a physical copy of it, you know. Um, they could sit down and, and read it. Like, I don't stream shit. You know, I mean, I'll put stuff up on, you know, I'll load my CDs onto my computer, put them up in iTunes, and then I can play it off my phone in my car. So that's about as streaming as I get, you know, if I'm going to get into a new band, I got to see them like right in front of me before I, I either like them or dislike them. There was something that I told you I was going to kind of put in here for you to gloat about. And maybe the way you're talking, about, I don't know if you're aware of this or maybe I'm just hearing this wrong, but. Maybe this isn't something you really want to gloat about, but I've been hearing that CDs are starting to actually make a comeback. Ha, yes. Now, have you been hearing that? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Amoeba Music in California reported that uh, they had a 15% increase in CD sales. Um, <clears throat> Newberry Comics out in Boston, same thing. Um, you know, even if it, you, you go and try and get CDs printed, they, they take longer. So instead of like three-day turnaround, dude, it might be like a week and a half. Um, but the prices are still cheap because people... Or sick of it. You're in a fucking band. You don't want to wait a year so people can hear your music, you know? And listen, if you're in a punk and hardcore, it's supposed to be inconvenient to begin with. It's, it's you know, like, hardcore and punk aren't supposed to find you. You're supposed to find it. And you're supposed to find the bands. And if the band's only putting out a fucking CD, it's inconvenient for you. Well, go buy a fucking Walkman or something secondhand to listen to it. But if you did, like, then you're really legit because you really care about the music. It's like too easy now. Like some kid going and buying seven fucking variants of some fucking reissued record is stupid. That doesn't make you fucking hardcore. You're not a fucking music fan. You know, you want the music, not the no. fucking seven colors of fucking wax. That's dumb. Now that dumb. I 100% agree with you on every time I look on, and I'm sure you say the same thing when I <laughs> scroll across Instagram and stuff. And I see people posting like their, their collection and stuff. I'm like, I want to start posting pictures of my baseball and basketball cards that I have. You know what I mean? I'm like, what's the difference? Like, 
It's, yeah. it's like it's like when you get to know. I mean, sometimes it's cool. Like back in the '90s, I didn't really care. Well, I like Left 4 Dead, but I don't really care. If, I don't know if I ever really heard Acker, but they had that split, like buzzsaw-shaped vinyl. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I thought novelty shit like that was cool, but when you get into like a band putting like 18 different colors out, it's just like it almost makes you wonder if the, if the label is just do it, doing it for like a commodity at that point too. You know what I mean? Like it's like that yeah. seems like, but but I mean, I guess the other side is like, how else do they sell records? You know, like. Like don't just, sell cds then you know <laughs> still got a giant fucking margin a, a markup there on on cds cost you two three bucks to make one to sell them for 10 you know i mean i don't i sell everything for five because i'm really fucking bad with economics i want every person who wants our music to just be able to have it you know um if, if minimum wage is 15 bucks an hour you spend five bucks on a juggernaut shirt and five bucks on a cd you still got five dollars to eat you know with one hour work so you know, gotta I gotta gotta pay back the community. It's good on that side of the economics. It's just not good with like the personal economics or whatever by the sounds of it. Oh no, no. I, I mean, dude, I'm <laughs> I'm almost 50 years old. I'm not doing a band to make money. I got no, I, I know, I know. I'm fucking with you. You know, I just I just wanna I just wanna give back, you yeah. know. And and Buffalo, you know, there's 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 a I guess a decent amount of old people for such a small size city, you know, but uh, when I'm one of the oldest people here. You know, like I, I never moved to another fucking state or said Buffalo fucking sucked. I mean, I've said Buffalo sucks the whole time because I'm not from here, but I've never left, you know, um, and I'm viewed as the old guy. That's bad. Well, at least I could do is like try and be as welcoming as I can to, to young people, try and get them involved in the scene and try not to be so dusty. And, you know, it's been a struggle. It's real easy for me to fucking be negative, you know, and say, oh, you fucking young people, you know say stupid shit like that. And the pandemic made me just kind of stand back and go, you know, man, I, you know, when I was 21 years old, I thought my shit didn't stink. And I thought I knew everything. I felt invincible. And you're supposed to, that's it. The kids are acting like they're literally supposed to, you know? Um, but I had older dudes, you know, when I was a teenager to look up to, but in Buffalo, all those older dudes are gone. You know, <laughs> literally the guys, snap face are like my age. We went to college together, you know, like, um, so it's, it's kind of strange, like being the old guy, you know, I've played in, I feel like, like Rob Antonucci, where I played in bands with like former students, you know, yeah. <laughs> I guess kind of tell just kind of just, uh, I guess, talk, me talk, talk about the record a little bit. Cause Juggernaut had the record come out a few months ago. I haven't talked to you since then, obviously. Uh, yeah, it came, it, it came out on Halloween. The digital and the CD came out first. We're waiting on the, the tapes and the LP. The tapes obviously will, will be out before an LP will because LPs, you know, Dave Grohl and Jack White are doing all their vanity projects, and making stupid fucking horror movies and fake thrash bands so they can put out on vinyl and take up fucking time from real punk bands and thrash bands getting their stuff released. Um, yeah, it, it's the reception's been awesome. People seem to like it, which is cool. You know, um, we had put out two EPs before. Uh, it was two EPs collected on one CD, you know, called Ambition to Destroy. And this was the first full length. And <clears throat> I know me personally, I tried to force some of the guys in the band out of their comfort zone and just come up with shit that was more spontaneous and on the spot to try and capture, you know, like, the essence of i guess what the band is you know like 
it's cool to be well rehearsed and everything, but sometimes uh, something gets lost in the translation. I just wanted to fucking write shit. I, you know, I was like, all right, it's it's this month now. In three months, we're gonna have five more songs done. I'm just gonna fucking hammer hammer them out. Just go in the studio, bang this shit out as fast as humanly possible, um, because you capture that energy. You know, um, this is probably a bad example, but but it's an example I like. Like the first Better in a Thousand record it was recorded in like one night. Fucking sounds amazing. You know, where Value Driven is still good. The second one, they definitely took more time with it. It just wasn't as raw to me. Um, it was just missing that little bit of something, you know. And that's how I wanted to to, to do it with Juggernaut. It's like, fuck, man, that riff's awesome. Let's let's just jam and see where it goes. And instead of like sitting down and trying to map out something on 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 paper, let's just fucking play and see what happens. And and it worked out really well, you know. Um, it, I mean, it got frustrating in the in the studio you know uh nate borman who engineered it i think he got a little frustrated with some of the guys as far as uh not having their leads down exactly but that was only because i wanted them to just go for like a feel with it and pick the, the one that had the best feeling as opposed to like having this all written and this is the way it's going to be played perfectly you know in the end it worked out better uh you know chris smith uh, did the artwork for it and it looks fantastic. Um, we've been getting good reviews. Uh, you know, hadn't done a video since like Herod's last video, probably in like 2005 or six or something like that. And initially I asked Nick, the, the young guy who did our video, Nick green is his name. And I'm like, Nick, just blur my face out. So no one knows how old I am. Right. But, but he didn't, he just, he, I guess he just, uh, he shot me from the right angle. So I look like 35. So he, he did a good job there. You know, I had been getting a lot of flack because I wore my, my ex watch, you know, in the video. And, uh, you know, some of my, my straight edge friends got a little mad at me and I had to remind them that it's an X watch. It's not a fucking straight edge watch. You know, you have one of those, oh, the, the swatch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was a swatch one, but when swatch made it, it wasn't a straight edge watch. Right. It was just the X rated. Yeah, you could wear it. I'm old. I'm X-rated. My sister's like around the same age, uh, born in 71. I remember we used to go to like any like department stores or wherever, and she would always be looking at all like the swatches and shit. And she had a couple of them, too. You know, not the X-rated one or whatever, but I think she had like a yellow and red one and maybe like another one. I remember I remember her being like really stoked about them back then. Though, there was they were like yeah, the cool thing in the late 80s, you know? Absolutely. You know, I you know, I had like three different swatches in high school and stuff. And um, I don't know, maybe like five years ago. Um, you know, they reissued the X watch and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to buy one. You know, I'm like, I don't give a fuck if I'm not straight edge. People don't care. Like, it's a cool watch. Yeah. So I bought it, you know. I bet Alex Burns got a couple of those. I'm, I'm sure, you know, but um, <laughs> he's got the originals from the 80s, though. That's what I'm saying. A couple of the, a couple of the originals. Andy. Yeah, I just I just <laughs> I just got the, the one that was reissued. He sent me, I forget what we were talking about. I posted like a flyer a couple weeks back and he sent me a picture of it, but then he started sending pictures of other stuff. And I was just like, Jesus, like, how do you have, it was like doubles and like this ridiculous stuff. And I was like, man, that's a lot of records and tapes and just all sorts of, you know, just like, like I was looking at like a flea market or something, you know, yeah. pretty, I think that's pretty much what I had for, for topics. We can probably just pretty much just keep shooting the shit for a little bit or whatever, I guess, if there's anything yeah. else, anything else you got, uh, 
in mind or anything? No, I mean like like GOA. Um, it was like my hardcore punk band with uh, you know, Jeremy from uh, the Fallen and Alleyway Infantry and Envy and uh, the Buddy Ravels on guitar. Um, my buddy Rich that I went to college with. He's a Long Island guy. I went to college with. Um, he was in the band Maceo Ruiz with with Vic, who was in Union, um, and Jordan from Juggernaut sings in that band too. Although Juggernaut, you know, he screams and yeah. GOA yells. You know, not the easiest thing telling that's the same person. But uh, you know, we really didn't do a whole lot during the pandemic. By a whole lot, I mean we didn't do shit. Um, so we've been starting to write a new record because we haven't put out one couple of years now. And, uh, you know, me and Rob, when we have the time, we're going to going to hammer out that uh, a new Longest War LP. Um, you know, assuming that Chris one day, you know, Trudeau will let Canadians over here freely. You know, we can get that done. Um, it's just it always, always something that needs to be done. Um, maybe the, that Wrong the Oppressor 12 inch will get pressed I, I i don't know what the status of it is anymore you know uh Who's supposed to do that, gus and, gus and derek at press gang we're going to do that at one side at 12 inch yeah um i put out the cd version before the like well, actually during the pandemic and i don't know what the timeline is for that 12 inch to be done but i've only been in wrong the oppressor a short period of time but you know more than anybody that wrong the oppressor projects have a tendency to fall through and not come out so <laughs> You know, between Ian Selby and you and other people. So if it happens, great. If it doesn't, you know, I think that's expected. You know, um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just hoping shit gets back to normal. Uh, you know, I'm still a little weird, like going into a basement to a show because it's such a smaller space with no airflow and circulation. But I'm fine going to, you know, like a mid-sized club. Uh, I'm fine going to an arena. You know, um, I imagine the mass mandate will be lifted, you know, I'd say by like March 7th, because that's the date New Jersey's using. So New York usually follows New Jersey and vice versa. Um, you know, I think we're out of the woods, you know, so it, it, it'll be cool. Um, CDs selling again is, is, is a cool thing. Um, you know, I, I just you want to see these bands that are spending so much time you know, crafting these albums and putting so much work into it, not have to wait a year before they could really present it to people. You know, I mean, there's a ton of times when bands come through town and they're awesome. They, they got nothing to sell. And then like you, you lost that potential customer. You know, I, I know you can go stream someone's album, but it's, it's not the same, you know, with, with punk and hardcore people want to buy something tangible and, and, and then they're really hooked, hooked with a band, I guess, you know, um, you know, um, I, I guess my, my biggest complaint is that people say the word vinyls, you know, um, that shit's dumb. Can't pluralize the Lone Ranger, you know, <laughs> they, they taught you that in airheads. I don't know. I guess people don't even know who Brendan Fraser is anymore. Or would have seen airheads, but you know, um, yeah, man. Otherwise I like, like shit's good. I, I think Buffalo's got a good scene. Uh, a lot of good bands doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, and, and people seem to have a genuine interest again right now in going out and seeing bands. I do think it's going to fall off. Eventually people are going to get, you know, just hit a point where they've seen enough or 
they don't have the money to go out anymore, you know, and it'll be more selective. Um, but if it's enough to just get everything, you know, the, the pump primed again, that'll be, that'll be fucking cool. Um, you know, I'd love to have juggernaut come and play in Rochester. We haven't played Rochester in a couple of years. Uh, you know, just would have to be the right show, you know? Um, I don't know when, I guess when Achilles, uh, their 10 inch comes out, right. Is that what is it? Is it a 10 inch? Yeah. You know, that the sore ear collective are, are mm-hmm. doing, I know they're doing final declarations, uh, LP two, or they yep. just did it. I should say, yep. but I mean, if, when Achilles ones come, comes out, maybe, maybe Rob and Rory and the guys will uh, have juggernaut come play with them or something, which would be fun. You know, at photo city, you know, Tony over there does a good job at photo city. I like that place. You're going to come out for integrity. Yeah, dude. You know, um, geez. Yeah. I mean, what else am I going to (laughs) do? You know? Uh, yeah, it's integrity. It's crazy. that They're playing here. I'm surprised he's doing it here and not there. You know? Um, me too. (laughs) Like, I, I, I know they. I know they were big here back in the day, but that, they haven't played here in like 25 years. I, mean, I, I granted they haven't played Buffalo in just as long, but like right? Or did they play there once in the early 2000s? I feel like they, uh, might have they played, played there it like, at the Cruise Inn. Yeah. Um, at one of uh, Mark Mad Dog Miller's death fests, and um, it was maybe maybe 2003 at the latest. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a while. And the closest they came, they were in toronto in maybe 2018 um longest war was on the bill to play but then uh we wound up not playing and uh yeah the only thing i could think is like buffalo because we get so many big shows through here like there could be something big going on at the ballroom that they feel people won't go to see integrity here but if they do it in rochester they'll go there instead you know um but i mean every day here in buffalo they're just announcing like just this week you know they're like uh the bouncing souls are coming through and then crowbar is coming through you know it's just they're announcing one thing after another after another you know metallica negative all this cool stuff so it's like people only have so much money um yeah it's got to be tough i wouldn't i wouldn't want to be a booking agent right now because you don't want to turn away business but at the same time like you're gonna wind up like losing business if you book too much you know, and venues definitely need to get people through the door to make up for not having anyone there for so long. But, you know, at some some of these places, I think it'd be more expensive for them to turn the lights on than actually have the show, you know? Yeah, I think, but, I think it's going to be like we were saying in the beginning of the conversation, it's, it's going to get to be oversaturated at some point. And, and there's, especially like we're like Buffalo, Rochester, so they're just cities are, are not big <laughs> enough to hold like so many combined shows in such a small amount of time. I don't want to sound negative. I know we both kind of are, but it's just, it's reality, you know? Yeah. Well, it's not even necessarily being negative, man. Like, I mean, there's still the younger guys from Buffalo. I know I, I, they still drive out to go see shows in Syracuse and stuff, you know, which I used to do when I moved up here regularly, you know, like, oh, I was showing fucking Syracuse Saturday. Let's go. I would think nothing of it. But now if someone's like, oh, geez, man, there's, there's a show like in Batavia, I'm like, that's a half an hour. I'm not driving that far. You know, um, I think a lot of the young kids from Buffalo will definitely come out to, to Rochester for integrity, you know, so I, I wouldn't expect that to be anything less than a full house for sure, you know. Um, 
and if there's nothing competing with it in Rochester that that night, it makes total sense why it would be there. You know, um, yeah. I don't think anything is competing with that. The only other big show I know of coming up within a few days is that uh, Circle Jerks Negative Approach, uh, March 28th in Buffalo. Yeah, I'm gonna try and go to that. I think you uh, should. Don't try, just go. Well, I feel like a dick because I want to go to one of these other shows, like the. Uh, year of the knife final declaration show and there's like so many good shows coming up there and like the one i'm choosing is like the legacy one you know what i mean because like i haven't seen negative approach in a long time and i've never seen the circle jerks you know uh longest war play with negative approach and jello by offer in the guantanamo school of medicine like a couple years ago here in buffalo um which is awesome negative approach has been here a bunch actually but circle jerks have not been here since like 2003 i want to say maybe um but also this is the, the 40th anniversary of group sex let's be honest keith morris is in his 60s he's a diabetic you know that that guy doesn't exactly take care of himself um this might be the last time you get to see them you know um i didn't even think they'd ever get back together and do this again you know but then hetson isn't in bad religion anymore and then keith obviously had a falling out with mario rubacaba and, and Steve um, uh, from uh, Off, and while Off was retooling, you know, and Greg was not doing Bear Religion, I think they were like, you know what, man, we, we, we need to do this. It's gonna be Year of the Knife and all those bands are great, and they're going to be around touring for years to come. Yeah. You know, so you can catch them again. They'll be back next year or in six months. So go see the Legacy Band. Plus it's seven seconds. They haven't, they haven't been, you know, they've been broken up for five, six years. No one thought they were going to come back, you know, and Keith Morris talked them into getting back together to do this. Who knows if we were going to see that again? I've only seen them once, like at the one of the Warp Tours years ago. They played, it was a year where like a lot 90, of good 90, ago. Yeah, 99. It was like Agnostic Front, yeah. Orange 9 Millimeter, H2O. Yep. Yeah, dude, that was Suicidal Tendencies. Yep. Yep. AF, a, I want to say AF and Seven Seconds played like back to back though. Like there was some mm -hmm. good bands like that yeah. were like one after the other like that. It was crazy for especially. Yeah, they're on the same on the same stage for sure. Yeah. That was like the last Warped Tour I went to because I didn't like any of the lineups after that. I think that you might know? have been the last one I went to too because I had like I would always get free tickets for the fanzine and then I just started giving them away to like friends or whatever instead and just put like you know like here I don't you know like I hadn't I hadn't even heard of half the bands by that point especially towards yeah. Like the later well, I, all right. Actually, I'm kind of lying, man. It just it got too big. Like, you know, the, the Warp Tour was like two stages when it started the first two years. Then it wound up being like um, three stages, and then it moved out to like Darien Lake, and it was like I don't know, it was like twenty stages, and then it went from being like I don't know, thirty bands to being hundred and seventy bands, and it's like. Yeah, these fucking kids are getting ripped off, man, because you, you go there, you want to see these bands, but they're all playing at the same time on different stages and you, you don't get to see half of the shit where you get to see like five minutes of each band. Like, just seemed like a big rip off to me. And I'm like, nah, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, I remember hearing on Joss's podcast years ago, he would talk about like the short sets like that. And I've had a, a few people on this podcast, even that were like roadies or like went on tour there. And I haven't heard too many experiences that made me be like, oh, that would have been a fun a fun six week experience or whatever to be on tour with, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, from 95 to like 99, 2000, you know, sure. It was, a, it was a different ball game. And, uh, but in the later years, it just, it, it just seemed like it probably wasn't necessarily, there probably wasn't that much return on investment for bands. It's kind of like that Ozfest shit. Like Ozfest was like, 
its own thing. It was like super special the first few years it was going on. Then it just got too big for itself. And then, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't like fucking festivals. I can't, I can't fucking stand them. You know, just give me three bands, you know, uh, I just want to be there for three hours, get in, get out, you know? And I realize with hardcore, most people don't want to see more than 20 minutes, you know, or at least that's what the condition to think. But I'd like to see a band play for a half an hour and 40 minutes. I could take three bands doing a, a full set, you know, rather than just 20 minutes. It's like, what, what are you really going to accomplish? You know? Yeah, I was telling somebody the other day that when DRI played here, it seemed like they played for like two or two and a half hours. And they were like, that's too long for any band to play. And I was like, it, it was it was cool, though. You know, like uh, there's not yeah. very many bands that I can. I don't think very many bands that I want to see play for that long. And I think I was exaggerating. I don't think it was two and a half hours, but it did seem like damn near two hours you know yeah and I, they, they, they definitely always play for at least an hour and a half yeah because their catalog so deep you know yeah, exactly um, but but that's the thing it's it's, it's kind of cool too because that band is you know like like i said legacy band or whatever they've been around for so long and uh you know the fact that spike had cancer and beat cancer and he's still out there being able to do this is cool like dude play as long as you want man i'm just excited you're still you know it's it's, it's one that's what i like about like like a band like DRI, um, you know, I've been listening to them, you know, since the eighties and it's like, Jesus Christ it's like technically like the fifth decade later and they're still there. It's awesome. You know? Um, oh, this is totally random. It makes me go back to what you were talking about before. I meant to ask you this when you're talking about the, the, the Roger, uh, the AF benefit from for Roger. Uh, do you go to like any of the same places when you go to New York City that you've always gone to for like like pizza and stuff, or is it like a different spot every time? Depends on where we are. Like, yeah. um, you know, um, Brooklyn's where I'm from originally, but we were in Queens, so you know, and you know, it, it depends on the club. Like, it used to be like Castle Heights or Red Zone or you know, wherever. Uh, Jesus Christ, I can't remember half the name of the fucking places, but you know. If you're playing the same place, you go the same places around it. But, you know, this time we played a club I'd never been to before. Um, so it was like a, a um, what do you call it? Pete's Place across the street run by a bunch of people from El Salvador. And I'm like, oh, I got to try this. And it was fucking amazing. You know, um, that, that's what's cool. It's cool about New York. Like, um, even if you're not around a bunch of Italians, you could still get a really good slice of pizza. You know, um, yeah, you know, my mistake is like, you know, I went, I went on our way after the show. I went to, uh, I stopped by, um, the house I lived at, you know, when I was a teenager and the fucking neighborhood is nothing like it was. It's all, um, I don't know. All the houses are like falling apart now and, uh, everything's overgrown. You know, I don't know what happened. Like used to be a gorgeous fucking neighborhood but that expression you can never go home again is like totally true and i was so bummed out because i like where the fuck am i like none of my neighbors live there anymore you know people moved away houses were knocked down new ones were put up i just had no no idea where the fuck i was because it's been been so long you know um my house in brooklyn you know we went to a couple of years ago too rob rob was with me uh when longest war was playing in brooklyn and that house looked looked exactly the same you know, um, so that wasn't as much of a, of a shock, but, uh, I guess I'm old enough now, like, you know, we realize things go in like 30 year cycles, 
Like businesses are, if they're successful, they're around for 30 years. People retire, new business comes in. You know, people, when they start their family, they buy a house. 30 years later, you know, their kids are out, they died and a new family's moved in. And I guess just the way things go, but it's, it, it's, it's, it's depressing, you know, like you, you have something in your head of the way you always thought um, things were and the way it looked. And it's, it's totally different now. Just fucking bum me out, you know, and just, just how New York city's always, always growing. You know, they keep saying everyone's moving to Florida. Yeah. That's bullshit. You know, they're not leaving New York City. They're leaving other parts of the state. But New York City is just constantly growing because everywhere, you know, all over the world, people hear about how great it is to, to live in New York. And they move there first, you know. And uh, it's just amazing to see all the new construction that goes up and they tear shit down. You know, in Buffalo, we can't get people to tear down some derelict fucking houses because of historical size. Like, oh, this, is, this house is historic, you know, like this guy took a fucking dump in this house in the 1800. So we can't wreck it. You know, like, Oh, but it's been sitting abandoned for a hundred years. Knock it down. You know, Buffalo's tough with progress. That's why there's only one peace bridge. When 20 years ago, they were talking about building a second span so you can move more traffic across, you know? Yeah. That's crazy. I haven't been to New York city since, uh, Oh, I think I went to uh, 10 years, 11 years ago. Now when gorilla biscuits played, uh, black and blue, Yep. It's like that lineup of like the 30 year anniversary of like that Gorilla Biscuits AF sick of it all from like that VHS or whatever. Yeah, man. Um, I pull out the VHS because I definitely fucking still have it. <laughs> um, I also have the CD version of it too. Cause you know, there was a, a bootleg CD version. Uh, yeah. As well, I, right? I, I think I have seen that actually. Yeah. You yeah. have it. Oh, hell yeah. Was it on hell lost yeah. and found or just some other bootlegger? No, no, it was just bootlegged. I don't, I don't know if Dave Stein bootlegged it. I can't remember the actual story. I actually, Hold on, dude. I think I literally see it. <laughs> That's hilarious. You're not. What are the odds that I'd be talking about that and there would be right there? That's and, and it's right here. You yeah. Know? That was the last time I went down there, they had the show for that. But yeah, this is how bootleg it is. It doesn't even say anything on the CD. <laughs> it's the right color, though. Yeah. Orange, you yeah. know. I paid classic. seven bucks for this. That's crazy. You know, when it came out, seven whole dollars. That's a classic yeah. video, too. You know. Oh, it is Vinny uh, Stigma doing the sign of the cross, you know. That Danny Looker, he lives here now too. I don't know if you knew that or not. The guy who Yeah, dude, I I I know um yeah, he's been up there for years now and now he works at uh Record Archive. Yep. You know, I, I uh Jim Jim uh Callahan posted up pictures and you know with, with Dan recently too that I saw. That you know, sense. um when I go to Record Archive he, he he hasn't he hasn't been there, you know. Um Lon, Lon's usually there. And then uh, Rob's other friend, I can't remember his name. He's like super, super nice guy. He's got glasses and Mark. long hair. Mark yeah. the shark. Yes. Yeah. 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 Lon's definitely somebody I want to get on here at some point. Cause I don't know if you know, Lon played in bands here like a long time ago, like in the 80s. He played in Solution, like an old heart, Rochester hardcore band. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, well, no. I mean, honestly, the only stuff that I know about Rochester is like from when I moved up here. So, so obviously I met like, like Jim right away, Brendan Pore, uh, Eric Warner, you know, so those guys would, would tell me a lot about it. Um, Mike Gifford who wound up moving to Buffalo for most of the time, but he started out in Rochester too, you know? Um, but it's like Buffalo when I moved up to Buffalo and this is just ironic that I'm wearing a Z t-shirt, you know, um, I didn't do that on purpose. I just happened to be wearing one today. Um, 
when I moved up here, everyone was like, yo, ZT, ZT, that's where it all started. And then you find out a little later, like there were, there were bands that came before ZT, you know? Um, and I guess that would be like Rochester too. You know, it, it just makes sense. Um, especially the one guy from um, ZT uh, was in Foundation, also from Rochester. Yep, John Drenning. Uh, yep, and and Foundation, I, I always thought they were awesome. That band was definitely cool as shit. Yeah, we're, I think we're going to get some of those dudes on eventually. We want to get John on here. I've talked to him a few times. It's going to happen probably later this year at some point. We had one of the dudes who was on, Michael, who was in uh, Hunger Artist on a while back. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was around the same time. But yeah, Solution was like, Solution and then before them was a band called Nuns on Death Row. And those were like the first two bands, like the first two hardcore bands here. So, uh, and yeah, Lon, I mean, Lon, not, Lon not was for nothing, man. Where, where, where did Metallica record their first fucking record? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right? Where yeah, did Ozzy right. and Randy Rhodes film that, uh, that fucking TV special in Rochester? I mean, Rochester's like always been fucking deep with, you know, with, with fucking metal and, you know, thrash and, um, makes sense that like a lot of there would be hardcore bands right from the very beginning from Rochester also. I don't know you if know. it was you or somebody else that I interviewed a while back when we were talking about classic stuff like that. What uh when when I was booking a lot of shows at the Penny Arcade, uh, Motorhead was playing there at some point yeah. that year. And I didn't I don't know if I went to the show or not, but afterwards Joe who owned the club was telling me he was talking to Lemmy for a while. Lemmy had all these crazy stories about having played the Penny Arcade. He was like, I was on the roof here. But and he's just telling all these crazy, you know what I mean? It's like, dude, yeah, like, like you're saying, like there's just all this stuff that people don't realize, like that happened here, and it's pretty like we're small towns, but we both like Rochester and Buffalo definitely have a a pretty cool, cool like history, obviously. Absolutely. And and Rochester's history was different because it's a white collar town. You had a lot of people with money, so you had a lot of promoters who had the money to bring bigger acts or take a chance on a you know a smaller act. You know, we're in Buffalo. Um, it's a bigger city and you can get some bigger bands, but I mean, I don't even know if you know, in recent years, like metal bands skip over Buffalo and they go right to Rochester now. I don't know Which when we good. became such of a metal city, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of metal shows here. It's like the big, it's like the big, like I, my, whenever I talk to my girlfriend about the bug jar, I always refer to it as like an indie rock club. And she's like, isn't that like a metal club? And I would always correct her. But now I think about it. I'm like, I think she's right. I think they do mostly book like metal stuff there now. Like I know who the dude who yeah. books like the main booker there is like a real like metal booker. So that might, you know, be a big part of it, but maybe that's how they do their best business. I mean, those dudes all drink, you know, so it makes sense. They do like a lot of metal or whatever. You yeah. Know? But also I just think that a lot of people just really fucking like metal in Rochester. Yeah. You true. know, um, Oz does all the booking there, right? He's a huge metal head. That's what I'm talking about. And then, about. Um, you know, you have Rick who went to high school with Rob does that metallic onslaught. He's got a lot of fucking people listening. And, you know, he's playing all the newest stuff that's going on in metal. So it makes sense that you get a lot of metal shows that are, that are coming to Rochester. Um, I, I'd say like 2000 to 2010, like like Buffalo never had a huge, huge metal scene in the time I've lived here because like, you know, Cannibal Corpse and Leveling Creation, you know, they they moved away and, you know, um, Bath Main Banish broke up. And, you know, Herod, we were kind of like our own fucking thing. And we were just like a metal band in response because everything in hardcore at the time sucked ass. You know, I didn't, I, none of us wanted swoopy hair and bullet belts and didn't want to play new metal, you know, masquerading, you know, as straight edge music. We're like, oh, we'll just fucking play metal. But we didn't have peers in town to play with. 
But luckily, all the big metal bands still came to Buffalo, whether it was, you know, Exodus or Anthrax or MOD, you know, Damage Plan. So we were the ones who got even <laughs> Firehouse, you know, Herod's the one that got those fucking shows. Um, and I'd say like after 2010, it seemed like everything switched and, and those metal shows started going to Rochester instead, you know, kind of when Buffalo, I guess, was starting to write itself with the with the hardcore scene and more bands that were grounded in reality were playing here again, you know, but regardless with that being said, like Buffalo's always had like a, a strong grind scene, but it was usually like the hardcore kids like the grind more than like the metal heads, you know? Um, but now all those old metal head grind guys are back in full force in Buffalo. So there's more grind shows coming through and, you know, like I said, it's, it's fucking, it's a, it's, it's pretty fucking cool, man. You know, um, the nineties were very, very vibrant in Buffalo. And, and then, then all of a sudden it just fucking died off like in a big way, you know, and old dudes, you know, always complain, Oh, you know, we wouldn't go on stage if there was less than 300 people. Now it's like 30 people. You're like fucking awesome. You know, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's not necessarily the quality of bands has dropped off. I, I, I just, I don't know. Kids, kids, probably young people would rather sit at home, you know, uh, the internet fucking sucks. You know, I'm guilty of it too. I, you know, I know how much time I spend online every week. If my fucking phone tells me I was, you know, on for so many hours a day, you know, and like, what the hell was I doing? You know, nothing constructive. I'll look at i don't look at that anymore uh, i don't check that anymore i'm like the oh, fuck no way i used to and then but i had a I had a job where like i was just walking around all day so i was able to just to have my phone out all day so at that point i was like well these this is kind of it's it's the right number but it's it's not where it really would be if i was like not here you know like when i was working at macy's like i didn't have anybody who told me i couldn't be on my phone so i would literally have to sure, walk sure. around the store all day so i was just like i'm just gonna look at whatever sports scores or whatever the fuck was going on at the time, you know, and yeah. now that I'm at home more, I'm guessing the numbers are probably lower, but who knows, you know? Well, I, I mean, in, in, I don't know, in, in defense of the internet, I guess, like I used to read the fucking newspaper every day. I, I don't, I don't, who the fuck gets a newspaper anymore? Like I, I read it online, you know, like um, I read a lot of fucking books. Well, I could just read it on my phone instead, you know, like, so I'm spending a lot of time doing the same things just use my phone instead of actual with the physical medium, I guess. And, and then especially once you have kids, like, you know, I'm, I, I, I think my parents took three pictures of me from like 1975 to like 1990, you know, but I, I have like three pictures of my kids from like eight to 9am this morning alone, you know, like, like you document everything as a parent. So I'm on my phone and, you know, and because I didn't grow up here and my family lives in different places, I got to, post pictures up and stuff so people could see it and stuff like that you know like it's just weird plus you know um dude, i buy everything like off of facebook marketplace now man that's like my favorite thing to do i'm like i'm not fucking paying full retail ever again yeah my girlfriend does the facebook marketplace and now she does these weird things where it's like i don't know people like like uh, they all enter in and she like picks a winner to give free stuff to or something it's yeah like, uh, my, my wife does that that free those free sites too yeah she was where, giving out like 
how weird like bo- a bottle brush and all these weird i'm like are people really coming over here to get that for free like it's you could just like i feel like the gas money you could just go to a store and buy one for cheaper <laughs> you know but yeah well you know they, they have them based on like like the section of the city you live in or the town you live in and there's just tons of free groups and as my kids get older you know rather than just sell this stuff we just put a lot of stuff on the free site try and get rid of it you know yeah um and then as my kids get bigger like like sporting gear you know my kids do gymnastics and softball and stuff like that so they need new gloves and new field hockey sticks you know it's much easier to just buy something used because you're no longer going to use it for a year you know yeah um you know, plus I'm a fucking Buffalo teacher. I'm not a lawyer. I wasn't smart. I didn't do something that actually makes money. You know, yeah, we've been, that's what we've been doing. My, my son's starting to get into sports now and all the stuff when we, when he had, uh, even like shoes and stuff, I think we've found, oh, maybe not the shoes, but other stuff we've definitely found secondhand. But one thing yeah. I do want to mention, I don't know how, how long of a conversation this will, uh, uh, turn into, but I, I do want to say with you talking about physical media, I almost did buy the newspaper today. You know, when I was in the gas station, I was like, yeah. I thought about it for a second because I mean the, the headline, you know, for today, obviously the the main headline like war, you know, I was like, man, this is, you know, pretty crazy. So it I, is. I, I mean, <laughs> I I don't know how it's going to turn out because Putin agreed to talks with with the Ukraine, um, in Kiev, um, but I think that's just he's just saying that so he can actually just. Uh, I don't know, he can get more troops into the country while he's in these these talks. He has no intention of stopping. You know, um, he's he's gonna take the Ukraine. I don't think NATO's got the balls to stand up to him. You know, it's it's just like when when fucking Hitler took the you know Sudetenland and in, in World War II, using the same same playbook. And uh I don't I, I think I don't think he's like Hitler where he wants to take over all of the world. But I definitely think he wants to take back all those Soviet republics that broke away to begin with yeah. and, and reestablish the Eastern Bloc. You know, um, I mean, dude's a fucking psychopath. There's there's no doubt about it. His own people don't want to be involved in war, but he's going to he's going to push it anyway. You know, um, it's it's terrifying. I mean, he I, he definitely knows that there's mutually assured destruction. So he fucking fires a nuclear bomb one of NATO members is going to fucking bomb Russia and then Russia is going to bomb them. Another country is going to bomb Russia. And then the Chinese are going to fucking bomb us and it's going to be a fucking mess. So no one's going to do any of that shit, you know? Um, but at the same time, like the U S was just got involved, you know, just got out of a 18 year war in Afghanistan. I don't think we want to send more troops back right away to do anything, you know, wrong or right. I mean, it, it, it's tough. I mean, the, the U.S. is only as powerful as we are because we got into World War One during the last year of it. We got into World War Two two years into it, you know, and we reaped all the fucking benefits because our country wasn't destroyed. And we lent everybody money to rebuild theirs and they had to pay us back. So we became rich. But it also made us like the policemen of the world. And I don't think we have to be the policemen of the world. You know, like some other people can step up. And also, we're really not that fucking good at fighting anymore. If Afghanistan and Vietnam, like, taught us anything, it's like, yeah, man, sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's okay if people don't want us in their country. We should probably just stay the fuck out, you know? I don't know. It's scary. I feel bad for all the fucking people of Ukraine. Um, when they're telling any male, you know, 16 to 60 
pick up a fucking gun. You come here, grab a gun, just start shooting. That's terrifying. There are 50,000 people alone that left the Ukraine for Romania yesterday. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really crazy. I, uh, like I said, I'm very curious to see what happens with it. And I know this is a, a pretty obvious statement to make coming from someone in the hardcore punk world, but, uh, and I'm not saying Biden's a saint by any means, obviously, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that Trump's not president right now. You know, I can only imagine the kind of situation he'd have us <clears> in right now with, with all this being related to everything, you know? Yeah. But Trump was always very cozy with Putin. And that's why even yesterday he was saying like, he thought Putin, what he was doing was very savvy. Yeah. Like he, he would just let, Putin do whatever the fuck he wants. That's true. You know? But then um, you wonder if they would be coming here next. You know what I mean? And he would just let them right yeah. in. You know? Well, you know, the, the beauty of living in the United States is you got 3,000 miles of ocean on either side of us to keep people out. Yeah. You know, uh, the Canadians have always been very loyal. I mean, um, the Germans did try and get the Mexicans to fight us in, in the first world war with the Zimmerman. No, luckily, uh, the Mexicans didn't, didn't fall for that. But I, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that, you know, um, I'd be more concerned with like how nuclear weapons can definitely reach, you know, New York City, Boston, Philly, L.A., you know, Portland, stuff like that. But then again, I, I don't understand. Like China, 70 percent of, of what they make is exported here. So if they fuck with us, they're destroying their own economy um, with Russia. They're like the 15th largest economy. Um they lost 35% of their, their stock market index yesterday with the sanctions, which was only like, what was it? 225 billion was lost. Um, and Facebook lost 239 billion in one day, you know, two weeks ago when their, their stocks did. So, I mean, Facebook makes more money than Russia does, you know? Um, like I said, man, I guess that's it. You know, I tried looking at it from like Putin's perspective, like, yeah, you have all these countries um, backing up against your front door that are part of NATO, but Russia could have been a part of NATO. They chose not to be. You know, it's not like the world was trying to exclude them. Um, they didn't want to be a part of it. So you can't get mad at the Ukraine when the Ukraine says we want to join NATO. Um, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it, it's terrible. I mean, when you put 180,000 troops on the border of a fucking country and you're telling the rest of the world, Oh, we're just doing training exercises. Yeah. Training for what to fucking invade. And they're invading from three different spots. You know, one of the entry points is in Chernobyl and the radiation levels have gone up in, in a 24 hour period. You know, um, one of the neat things is uh, like Google maps, you could look on Google maps and it showed Russian troop movements on the fucking highways moving into the Ukraine. You know, that's crazy. Like Jesus, dude, even, even the technology can fucking tell us about an invasion, you know, that's but I true. mean, if someone in, in, invaded, you know, Buffalo or Rochester, I mean, I'd be the first one to fucking pick up a gun and protect my family, you know, no doubt. I just would hate to think that in this day and age, it would, it would have to come to that. You know, yeah, I feel like our maybe, small maybe, our yeah, by at the bottom of the list, we don't we don't think we have to worry about that anytime soon. You know. Well, you, you know what? I think a lot of a, a lot of nations have seen pictures of Buffalo and they assume it's already been bombed. So like, oh, it's destroyed <laughs> already. We don't need to go back. You know. 
there's there's parts of rochester like that too and like high falls and certain areas that are definitely similar not maybe not quite as 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 burned out and whatnot but you know i think uh before i i turn off record so we can really talk shit for a few minutes uh is there any any final thoughts you want to put into to the interview or anything well no well thanks as always um i appreciate any opportunity to to talk about the the bands that i'm doing or the bands that i've done and and the scene um like I said, Rochester was always very good to my bands. Um, you know, from the time I moved up here, from you doing shows for me or Brendan doing shows, you know, Artie and Marcel were from Buffalo, but did shows in Rochester too. Um, there's always been a lot of really fucking good people, cool people who are there. Um, and it, it's nice that our cities still share this connection. And like, I still have like a long lasting friendship with you and Brendan and Jim, you know, like, you know for decades uh and um yeah man i'm just excited to see coming out of this pandemic um you know i think rochester will probably pick back up uh and you'll see a lot of new bands just popping up i just want to see some of these bands put a cool new spin on something that that hasn't been done before and uh really just kind of fucking reinvigorate shit you know but uh yeah man always a pleasure josh one one final thing and it's definitely always a pleasure for me too and it's always a pleasure when i discover that an hour and a half into our conversation i don't think you've said bob once i think you've said rob the entire time uh, i did it on purpose <laughs> making a conscious effort oh you know, man, I, there we go I, the, the the bob traversy continues it does it does you know like uh you know i'm looking around everyone's telling me they've been they call him rob I'm like, have I really been calling, been, been the only one calling him Bob this whole time? You know, like, there's no way. So I'm like, all right, man, I'll, I'll show you. I can call him Rob. <laughs> yeah, not not my not my preferred preferred nomenclature for him, but you know, there you go. He's reached that age. He's he's getting older. He's he's a Bob. Well, he's not that's... he's not a Bobby. He's not a Robbie. He's not a Rob. He's a Bob. I can't really argue that when you get to a certain age, you do become Bob. So. Maybe I'll start calling that too. That'd be hilarious if we all just start calling them that in Rochester too now. I think you guys should. It just makes sense. Maybe at the end of each episode, I'm going to start saying, as always, thanks to Bob Antonucci for all the help with the podcast. <laughs> I think you should, dude. It'd yeah, be awesome. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that's going to wrap up episode 65. I want to thank Mike Jeffers for taking the time to do an interview with me for the third time on this podcast. Uh, I got a bunch of episodes coming up. We're going to be dropping them on Mondays and Fridays for the foreseeable future. So the next few episodes are going to have my old friend Jeff Lasich, uh, Dave Steele. Going to get some of the guys from Final Declaration on here. Uh, we're going to have Rory Van Grohl and Benny Beyond to talk together on an episode. And I got tons more coming up. Just keep following the, the Instagram and the Facebook and Twitter. Make sure you keep your eyes on the website. And you'll always get information about the podcast. Thanks again to Mike Jeffers. As always, thanks to Greg Benoit, Bob Antonucci, and Jim Byrne for all the help with this podcast. And thanks to my family for the never-ending support. See everyone real soon and stay safe.